People want to think that America is a rational, modern country that doesn't believe in magic potions. But is that really true? Welcome to The Conquering Truth. I'm Dan Horn. I'm Jonathan Sides. I'm Charles Churchill. And I'm Joshua Horn. Because health is such a major concern. There's always been people that that come forward and kind of say, look, we can solve your problems. We used to call them witch doctors, but we shouldn't think that in a modern America that that's actually changed. We still have those type of things. And one of them is homeopathy. A lot of people, you know, you see it in stores, but they don't realize what it is. The idea of homeopathy is that you take a substance that produces the same symptoms that you have, and somehow that will cure it. So the idea is like cures like. But of course, if you have the symptoms of arsenic poisoning, which is one of the early examples that was used, and you take arsenic, it kills you. So what they do instead is they take the arsenic and they'll dilute it with water. And then they do what's called succuss and they'll bang it on the table. And that, or, and I think the table had to be leather with horsehair or something so that it was a specific table that did this. And somehow that imparts the, the electrical makeup of the substance to the water. And then they take a drop of the water and mix it with another 100 drops of water. And they bang it on the table again, which then increases its potency somehow. And they do this like 60 times, 100 times. And then somehow this becomes the cure now. And if you do the math, it's pretty clear that there's none of the original substance left, or very little, if any, of the original substance less left. And so – you hear this and you recognize that they're selling these drugs that are basically just water because they use purified water as the, the solvent, so to speak, that they really just keep diluting it 100 to 1 multiple times. And people should realize this and just go, this wouldn't work. This can't work. This is contrary to how God ordered the world. But yet you have very prominent people. You have, you know, who's now the king of England, Prince Charles, when he was – just a prince before he became the king, he had the National Health Service in England in the UK set up a hospital. I think it was a 4,000-bed hospital that operated for years and didn't heal anybody because all they were doing was giving them water. And that didn't produce any positive effects. And, and you know, the UK does a study on it, and they find that nobody was ever cured at the hospital. And so then they turn around, and it takes them from 2010 to 2017 to actually close a hospital that wasn't healing anybody and so how do these things gain traction? Why are, they, why are they so attractive to people? I think the reason why people fall for these things is because when you're sick, when you're dealing with your health, you really want to get the problem solved. You want to have the situation taken care of. And so you're desperate, and you want to figure out how can I control the situation? How can I deal it? How can I find a solution? And the people who do this, they understand that you're in this situation, and they're really good at providing the solution for you, and they package it really nicely. In fact, right before this episode tonight, I went online. I searched on Walmart for homeopathy, for homeopathic solutions. I searched for ones that were available in store at my local Walmart at Wake Forest. And I think there were, I mean, there were at least, there's, there's uh, seven here. I think, I think it goes down further. I want to say there were like 10 or 12 total that were available. And all of these, on the front of them, if you look at them, they look like any other medicine. There was one that's called uh, Acilococcinum. But if you look on the back, it's active ingredient, anisbarbate, and underneath it, it says the amount is 200 CK. And what that means is, is the process you talked about earlier, where they go through and they take and they dilute it by 100, they, they put 99 parts water to one part solution, and then they succuss that. This particular company, the K means that they do this for 10.5 seconds, 
and then they stick in something, they suck out 99% of that solution, they put in 99, they put, fill it up with water, they do it again, and they do that 200 times. And I mean, if you do it 12 times, there's not likely to be one molecule left of the anise barbate. The active ingredient is anise barbariae. I thought there was a T. My eyes are getting bad. But by this point, they've done this 200 times. So at 12, there's not even a molecule left of the original substance. So everything over that, it's just water. So it's like basically you... You know, take a drop of your, you know, whatever, your grape juice, and you put it in a bathtub full of water. Mix it up. Take a drop from the bathtub, put it in another bathtub, and do that, you know, a right. bunch of times. That's effectively what you're doing. That's and effectively you, it. You know, Only you have to bang the side of the bathtub, because right. <laughs> otherwise it's not effective. I mean, right. And I mean, and, and understand, I mean, I remember the first time that I, I mean, I'd heard about this before, and I, we'd actually dealt with it at one of the churches we were going to, but I ended up, I had a kid who was sick, and they were, they were two years old. Most medications don't, you're not allowed to give to people that are two. I went my, and I was like, I saw one and it said you could give it to kids two and under. And I was like, oh, that's great. And I was just more, I was just in a hurry. I grabbed it. I get home. I look on the back. I'm looking at the active ingredient and I go, wait a minute. No wonder they can give it to kids. This is water. <laughs> they know it. I mean, and, and, but this is, they are lying. And I mean, it is important to note here, this is actually a pill. So they take that water and then somehow they transfer its magic because this is all like right. you know, witchcraft. This is all magic. And somehow take it and transfer it to sugar. And so in this case, it's not water. It's actually a sugar pill. Right. But that's all it is is a sugar pill that got wet. The person making it is a con artist. And the person who looks at what they've done, if they understand it and you say, this will help me, you're looking for magic because there's nothing else to explain what would be done here. There is nothing else. I mean, you you are putting your faith in magic. What happens with a lot of these things, like this one, is that they do scientific hand-waving around it. So they pretend like, no, this is all scientific. And there's other things, too, that they do this with. But homeopathy is a good one, right? That people act like they understand electromagnetic fields. But most people have, they didn't even study it in high school, let alone actually have any understanding of it. And yet they come and they pretend like, well, don't you understand that when you succuss it, that causes the vibrations of the molecule to set up an electric field throughout the whole water. And so then when you take that drop and you put it into another drop, that electric field gets magnified because of the force that you use that you, when you struck it, that increased the magnetic field so that it, and the, the electromagnetic field so that it's even stronger than it is now. So if you do it 60 times, it's just going to be so tremendously powerful. Right. And people hearing this because they don't understand electromagnetics. They don't understand that, I mean, the idea of a water is there's no structure to water. And what they're saying is by succussing it, that they can put structure into something that the definition of being a liquid is it doesn't have any structure, so it can't hold a shape. But yet people don't even think through and it's pseudoscientific and they use a lot of scientific names. They give it, you know, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but they give it names like that that sound like, well, this is really researched. And people, because of their pride, because they want to pretend like they're modern and rational, that they go, oh, yes, that, that makes perfect sense. That is very scientific. Right. And it's just total garbage. Right. And they'll use like things like quantum theory. They'll talk about – I mean, I've seen ones that they use quantum mechanics to say it's wavelength. I mean, they'll – and 
when they when in the 1800s when this was going on, they they often framed it in much more spiritual terms and said that the spirit of the original substance that it, that that stayed in the water. And there are still people who go from that direction. So you can have spiritualism, you can have pseudoscience, you can have all sorts of things. But in the end, they're all saying that somehow that you're causing the water to remember or contain this power. And like you said, there's no evidence that it's true. But it's even contrary trust- to everything that we really know about substances. Right. But like people want to trust in. Well, this sounds okay. I'll go along with it. And and it comes when you really look into it. You kind of almost need that spiritual explanation because you have the issue is you know the reason why you're diluting it. You know, aside from the fact that if you actually, because remember, it's about light curing You're diluting light. the right. substance, not diluting, diluting oh. the individual. <laughs> yes. But, but the whole idea is your light is curing light. So you take something that would make you sick and it's actually going to, you know, instead make you better. Right. Well, aside from the fact that you will actually, if you actually try to do that with arsenic or whatever it might be, you're actually just going to get sicker. But aside from that, you know, the theory is that the reason you dilute it is to actually make it stronger. Right. But then you have an issue is... Why does it now cure you right. when it wouldn't have before? And why can it not have any bad side effects? Because, like, if you take you know any you know any medicine, there's a chance for a bad side effect. Even the safest medicines, there's people who are allergic to them. There's people that if you take too much, you'll get sick. Home homeopathy, it's you know it's fine. You're 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 good. You're not going to have a bad side effect. Well, you can drown if you drink too much. <laughs> <laughs> and so, how does the how does the homeopathic you know, process, make it so that it can only help you. And, you know, that's not something that happens with, you know, in, right. in normal medicine. That's something that... So there was a point early years ago in our church, we were talking to someone about homeopathy, and we kind of brought that that example up, what you were saying about, well, sh- shouldn't you be able to take a poison and dilute it and make it into the most powerful poison, but it wouldn't be detectable? And, they're arguing, and they said, well, no, this can only be used to benefit you. And immediately that sets off red flags because God's word can be used to harm people. God hasn't reserved his own word to be used in this way. And so, again, like you're saying, is there are things that should be able to warn you against this. But in the end, it just it doesn't make sense and it doesn't follow reason. It doesn't follow scriptural reason. It doesn't, found, it doesn't follow sound ideas. And, you know, another, another issue with it, you know, logical issue that right along these same lines is that water, you know, by its very nature, by the water cycle, is constantly – diluting and uh, constantly mixing so you know uh you know a molecule of water that's in one place now you know give it you know x number of years and it has or a drop of water those molecules will spread out everywhere so statistically it's you know i believe if i remember correctly it's basically statistically statistically certain that you have a water molecule in you that was in anyone from history you know christ you know whoever the water just is naturally mixing in the oceans and the clouds everywhere and so that is also meaning that it's doing that dilution. So why? So the water, if this homeopathic process worked, would have the dilution from every cure ever, every poison ever has been mixed in and diluted. Every raindrop would be a cure of every disease that's ever existed. Right. And so, so it's not the dilution that's doing it. If you really get down to it, it's a spiritual, mystical process that's doing it. Right. That's why it's directly tied to witch doctors because it's the witch doctor that makes it different than opening your mouth and having a drop of rain come from the sky. It's the witch doctor who declared that it would cure, the witch doctor who did the 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 ritual of banging it on the table or this is know, why it needed it for to ten- be leather and horsehair was because Right, because you're you have to 
I mean, we don't call them witch doctors, but that's what they are. That's what witch doctors did. I mean, and sometimes the doctors use real medicine and real roots and real things that had real effects, but they also put a big, a lot of ritual around that to make people trust it because of the ritual. And we've just changed the nature of the rituals because of Marx and because of being a, a materialistic view of the universe and not the same spiritual view that happened for so long. So all of a sudden it becomes a pseudoscientific explanation rather than, you know, that fairies are the ones that are doing it or the, you know, the historical things that which doctors said, right, that they could control the, the spirits right. of the earth. I mean, it's all the same concept. It's just that to sell it to modern Americans, you have to use different terms. And you, you go back to the question of if with things that seem, when we talk about it this way, so obviously a hoax, why would this be attractive to anybody? And and part of the reason we talked about it is a lot of people who are attracted to this are attracted to this because they have a real problem and they've tried the conventional solutions and they haven't worked or the conventional solutions have been harmful. And so they're looking for anything else and like, okay, well, let's try this. They're looking for anything else short of calling out to God. Right. And so, so they're willing to try something like this. It's just, it's another option that somebody's and, put and out there. And maybe not calling out to God, because they may have called out to God. And the answer was, God said, I'm not taking this away. You know, I mean, they weren't satisfied. Fair enough. That's what God would I mean, say. And I think that is really specific, because there are people who they said, oh, I've called out to God. I've tried that. And the answer is, is I'm owed healing, right? I'm, I'm owed healing. And so they're, so they're desperate to find anything that can offer that to them. And our and our argument is not that conventional medicine is perfect by any means. Right. You know, our argument is not that it's foolproof. It, it's not that it does not have many problems. I mean, you know, homeopathy originally arose, and and one of the arguments in favor of it at the time, or made by early proponents, was look at all of these problems with conventional medicine. Look at the stupid things that you're doing, like bloodletting. So let's try something else. Here you go. And and so. And we see those same kinds of arguments made today. Look at the stupid sorts of things that are happening in some corners of conventional medicine. Let's try something else. Here's an entirely different system built on a completely different worldview. Let's go there. And very related to that, but a bit off topic is we have to recognize how many sicknesses have a mental component to them or an emotional component to them. And so then they turn around and expect a medication to solve their problem, right? Like so many people, there's so many symptoms of, of constantly being afraid, right? That creates all kinds of physical symptoms, constantly being afraid. Well, if you take a medication for that, that's not going to solve it because the problem is you have, you live in constant fear. And so you could do something to mitigate the symptoms, but in the end, they're going to come back because your problem is you live in constant fear. But a lot of the people that find these things attractive, especially, are the ones where those are really their problem. They have a spiritual problem, and they're looking for physical medic medicine to solve spiritual problems. And it doesn't. It can't. It's not. I mean, it can mask symptoms. I'm not saying it well, can't I mean, help and, symptoms. And you, have, you have, like, acid indigestion because of your nervousness. You can take Pepto-Bismol, and it feels better. But it doesn't mean that. The problem's been solved. I mean, and let's be really serious as well. You said when you – and I think people, when they hear you say spiritual problems, they probably think of it like, ooh, spiritual problems. But like the person who's living in fear, 
Be anxious for nothing. The person who's rebellion to God by being anxious and living in fear is in sin. It's a sin problem. And, and there's a part of where whenever you're in fear when you're doing these things, someone can come to you and they offer you something. And for a period of time, you put your faith in that thing, and it really does help for a period of time because you put your faith in this thing and, you're, and you let your fear go away. You release your fear, and you start to feel better. And then all of a sudden your fear comes back and you go, well, it worked for a while. Well, it worked for a period of time. Well, it worked under these conditions. Well, And you start trying to think of all these different reasons why the solution worked as opposed to actually understanding what was really causing the issue. And so there's this part of where you people really are looking for things and they forget that so many things you can put faith. This is, why, this is part of the reason why the placebo effect works is because people – People put their hope in something, and that can actually change the way you feel. It won't. You can't cut your arm off and have a placebo effect. But there are so many other things that are because, like you said, of how we think, how we meditate in our lives, how we actually how we live our daily lives, and those things can be affected by things like this. You know, if we go back to to this drug, quote unquote, which is really just water. You know, it relieves flu-like symptoms, body aches, headache, fevers, chills, fatigue. You know something else that relieves body aches, headaches, fevers, chills, and fatigues about 99% of the time, waiting three days. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Is that most of these things, and the person will take it and go, I feel better in three days. It was that. And the reality is they could have taken nothing, and they would have felt better in three days. I mean, this is – It's the old saying that if you go to the doctor for a cold, it takes about a week to get better. But if you don't go to the doctor, it'll take you seven days. Exactly. I mean, that's, you know, I mean, I mean, and, and so people then assign it and they go, oh, look, I felt better. And people even do some of the studies on this and they go, it did nothing. Right. You know, most of the, the cold remedies do almost nothing. Even the ones that have real things, you know, they might relieve symptoms. They might make the cold last longer because they relieve symptoms because your body produces symptoms to get better. But the reality is people just feel better because they did something. And then they assign what they did to making them feel better, but it was really just how God ordered the world that the body can heal itself. And that's why witch doctors were successful too, right? Is because most of the time when somebody gets sick, their body heals itself. But yet the witch doctor can say he shook his rattle over them five times, and look, now they got better in three days. Doesn't mean they wouldn't have gotten better in three days anyway. There are times where modern medicine takes credit for more than it does as well. Like we were talking about, if you go to, like I said, if you go to the doctor, it takes about seven days. If you don't, it takes about a week. A lot of modern medicine is just about alleviating symptoms. It's just about making your time period while the body heals itself to be a more a more pleasant experience. There are lots of things as well that where they're really just, you know, they are. There's a reason they call it practicing medicine, where they're trying to do something that may work for you, that it may help you. They'll even tell you sometimes, "Hey, there's a decent chance this is gonna, this might hurt you very badly, or it might help you." But when it helps you, they act like, "Well, of course we were able to help you." And when it doesn't, they go, "Well, what can you do?" And you have to understand that modern medicine changes its opinion as well. It's men who are often seeking their own glory. It's often, it's has a lot of variability into it, and they tend to focus on their success more than they do on the process itself. So these things aren't totally existing within homeopathy, but homeopathy is fundamentally different than these other things. I mean, at least with modern medicine, you can study it. You can see mechanism. You can understand things. With this, there's nothing there to see. It is magic or it is 
it's just water. And it, there is some pressure for it to correct itself in modern medicine. Right. Right. There is, you know, even where they set up the homeopathic hospital in England, at some point in time, they went, wait a second, we have statistics. This doesn't work. Right. You know, and, you know, talking about like when we think about it, you know, you said kind of relieving symptoms. The other thing is it does it, it improves the healing of the body. For instance, sure. you break a bone. Well, if you don't set the bone, will the bone heal? Yeah. It'll usually grow back together. It just won't grow back together as straight. There's no doctor that has ever cured a broken bone. Right. The body regrows bones, but the doctor can line it up. Right. And so we tend to put way more credit on what the doctor did than on what the body did. But it's really the body that God created that did most of the curing, most of the healing. The doctor just kind of removes things that make it not heal as well or line things up so it heals better. I mean, even surgery, that's what a lot of it is or to, because surgery – can't really fix anything. Most of what you do is just cut it out. Right. And that's and to their credit, you know, that's what a lot of the homeopathic and homeopathic associated doctors are all about, you know, having your body heal itself. But just because they're saying some right words doesn't mean that the concepts and the stuff that they're doing is actually helping your body heal itself. Just even if they're gonna use those words. And some of the sins in modern medicine, not the sin of medicine itself. But the sins that people who are associated with modern medicines commit, where they overstate their ability, where they where they do things. I mean, you can you can get in a situation where you're taking a lot of medications where the side effects are worse than the benefits. And there are people who get in those states and they look at these things and they go, ugh, this isn't worth it. And so there is a part of it where sometimes the sins of modern medicine push people to things like homeopathy because someone else comes, like you said, they go, don't you know that the body's supposed to heal itself? Which is what modern medicine relies on. Modern right. medicine relies on the body healing itself. But they, because they want to take credit for it, they've now masked the fact that that's really what they're relying on. So the other person comes in, the homeopathist comes in, and they go, we're doing something fundamentally different. And they are doing something fundamentally different. But, they, but they're leveraging the thing that you do know to be true. And they're acting like they're doing something that's, that is – that's better than what's being done, and that that causes more damage because whenever you lie, whenever you have sin. Hopefully, we're getting the point across that we're not trying to say modern medicine is amazing and homeopathy is horrible. Only the second part. <laughs> <laughs> but, and to be fair, there is a lot of amazing things in modern medicine. There's just a lot of things that are almost like homeopathy in modern medicine as well. Right. Oh, and and a side note, um, which is that. There are things out there that are labeled as homeopathic that actually aren't and that do have actual active ingredients and aren't just water. Um, But people decide they're going to, you know, try to capitalize on the great reputation that homeopathy has. And so they're going to, you know, say we're homeopathic when it doesn't have, you know, the how many C's, which is the dilution that it has on it. We're not trying to say that herbs can't be beneficial. We're not trying to say that. That, you know, that there, there are things you can take that are very natural things. They can help you. And sometimes people call that homeopathy when it is not. It's good marketing, though. So, or and bad that, marketing. And that's, that's <laughs> really, you know, and that kind of is the point of the podcast in a way is that it's pretty, pretty sad that good marketing is to do something that's so laughably false. Right. Because homeopathy is laughably false. But people who are actually taking herbs that, you know, herbs have real effects and they have to use a homeopathic label to sell them, that just shows how, how, 
how confused we are as a people and how blind we are as a people and how how thoughtless we are as a people because you should be able to look at homeopathy and go, this is absurd. But yet there's a lot of people that look at it and go, oh, wow, that's really scientific. And, you know, th- there's a point where people would also say, you know, well, I really don't really care what the mechanism is because it works. So why do I care? And And the fact is... Um, that there's plenty of stuff in medicine, you know, conventional medicine, uh, that people don't really understand how it works or they understand at a sur- surface level. Um, but, but when you get down into it, you know, there's not that real understanding, you know, that there's a lot of mysteries about how anesthesia works, you know, something that's, you know, as routine as that, you know, all the, the people we've, we've talked before about, you know, mental illness and there's all this brain chemistry talk, which all of that is pretty much, which that is barely better than homeopathy. You know, some of it is a little bit better, but not, not a whole lot. Um, so, but what's the difference between homeopathy and, and modern medicine with all its problems? Well, the, the modern, the medicine, you know, the best practices of medicine is to do, you know, carefully set up, you know, experiments to see, does this thing does it work? Because a lot of people have a lot of, you know, uh, anecdotal evidencing. I've been using homeopathic stuff for years and I feel better than, you know, anyone I know, you know, over the past years, you know, centuries, people have realized that, you know, we are lie to ourselves. Our brains naturally try to, you know, convince ourselves that things are helping us when they're not. And so if we don't really do it in a very careful way, you don't really know what's, what's, What's actually helping you, you know, or the fact that, like we were saying, you know, if you have a cold, you're going to get better in a few days, almost certainly. And so the fact that you took something doesn't matter. So you have to line up a lot of people. You have to do do it carefully so that even the person running the experiment doesn't know whether you took it or not. You have to try it against something that you that, you know, does nothing and see, is it actually measurably better? And a lot of modern medicine doesn't do a great job of that. All the headlines you see of this, you know, this food is what's going to save your life. None of that is doing it. There's a lot of lies, but the fact that modern medicine lies to you in some areas doesn't mean that you should go for something that you know its explanations are false and that homeopathy has been tested many, many, many times with many studies and it's not been found to do anything. I mean, and a lot of people like look at, you know, and go uh, look at science got a black eye with COVID and how the COVID vaccine and all those other things. But part of what people need to recognize there is it's not that the process is to verify that modern medicine is supposed to use failed. It's that they failed to do the processes. They failed to do controls the way they were supposed to. They failed to count the things they should have counted. They took people out of studies that they should never have allowed to take out a study. You have to keep the same people in that started at the end. And they did all violations so that they could say that they had done approval processes that are supposed to test to make sure when a lot of times they didn't do them very well. And then they lied about what they were testing. You know, we're making sure that this this will reduce transmission when they intentionally did not do any tests to reduce transmissions because everybody knows vaccines doesn't do that. So they were lying about the results, and it's easy to look that back and say, well, that meant that the process was false. Well, no, they falsified the process, which is a lot different than the fault than the process not being correct. One of the the mantras that you heard during that whole time was don't question the science, which is the dumbest thing to say, because that's the nature of science. You're supposed to question the science. And so if somebody's saying, oh, this is dogma that is unquestionable, when talking about facts that are purported to be the the product of scientific research, then you should just laugh at them. 
because you're you know if if science purports that something is true then it's also purporting hey this thing is up for testing this thing is going to survive if you go press on it and what we were told during covid is no don't push it's our it's been done it's been solved don't question it and when you push on you know homeopathy there's nothing to push against it's just ridiculous i mean it's just contrary to everything that we know about science and then people go but oh there's new discoveries made all the time not at that level yes einstein basically said newtonian physics was wrong but Newtonian physics still works 99.999% of the time. Right. And so, yes, there was a minor tweak to it, but that's a lot different than saying everything that you understand about water is wrong, which is basically what homeopathy is saying. And when you test it, it falls apart. <laughs> yes, and it's proven to be false. And it's not just random what they're, what they're doing with the testing, too, is because it's it's based on the idea whether the – you know. Modern scientists acknowledge it or not, it's based on the idea that God made the world and He made it and He set up laws in place. And we can expect, we can trust in the way that God set up the world that the world will, you know, it's consistent and it's not just random chance for every single event. And so things work the same way. Every time you drop a ball, it falls to the ground. Um, and, and every time you, you know, take this chemical, it interacts with these other chemicals in your body and, you know, it's a complicated system and it's, things don't work 100% of the time, but if it's something that's actually going to help you, you're going to be able to see that. And if you get more and more people, your, your results are going to get more and more accurate. And so it's based on this idea that God made the world and that the world is consistent. And to say, let's throw all that away, let's just kind of go with our gut. Well, now you're, you're going with, you know, man's heart is deceitful above all things. And in, instead of, Instead of trying to see how did God make the world. And I do think it's worth reading Romans one twenty. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. And one of the things that you can see in the character of God is that he is a God of order. You see that throughout creation. The sun rises every every morning. The you know, sometimes it's cloudy and you don't see it, but you know the sun rose. You know that there's winter and summer. You know, you know, you know the moon goes around. I mean, you just look and everything is a testimony. All of creation testifies that God is a God of order. And so then to turn around and say that it's all these disorderly things that are contrary to how he ordered everything that you see around, like even water, right? They're saying that you take water and you dilute it and it becomes stronger. Well, Christ said that he washes his bride in the water of the word to remove her spots and wrinkles, which means dilution dilutes, right? I mean, that's what Ephesians 5 says, dilution dilutes, and yet they're saying dilution strengthens. Well, it's completely contrary to Scripture. It's contrary to how God is basically using as an example to say, this is how I ordered the world so that you could see what I do with my bride. And this is what water does. And they're going, no, that's not what water does. Water does. When you dilute it, it gets stronger. Contrary to everything everybody knows. But when they're saying that, they are making a fundamentally religious claim about water. They're, I mean, what they would like to appeal to is they would like to appeal to the invisible attributes of water. They would like to appeal to the spiritual properties of that initial active ingredient that are being intensified throughout this process of dilution. That's that's the appeal. And you can see why a Christian could could find that attractive, why you could fold it into a Christian worldview, because you've kind of got these sorts of, of 
religious terms that you can now apply and you can think, oh great, this is a this is a kind of medical science. I'll use the term. It's a kind of medical science that's based on something that's not a purely materialistic world. This is a science that recognizes that there's spirits everywhere. I know I'm I'm droning on, and I think that, but this that is this a lot is how you get the 19th century argument. When you read the 20th century argument, that isn't what they were well, saying. Well, it depends on. Much. I mean, it depends on which. If you're if you're reading the 20th century arguments for it, and you're thinking about it like a homeschool mom, this is the kind of way that you go. If you're if you're reading sort of the King Charles medical, let's set up a hospital on this. You don't say these kinds of things. Actually, though, the books that I've read because people were involved were the people that the homeschool moms were reading, and they actually mostly point to this pseudoscientific stuff is what I've seen. And that's partly because the, we've become the so late, much more materialistic. I mean, right. we, we've become incredibly materialistic. And I think that's a big part of it is what we've done is we've tried to remove God from the equation of healing which is really what they're trying to do. And, and so I think that there's even the spiritual, because you go back to 19th century and it was all spiritual, and it, even to the homeschool moms now, it's the pseudoscientific stuff. I mean, and, there's, and homeopathy is just one example. There's lots of examples out there that are very similar. And they do the pseudoscientific thing that, that the homeschool moms are going, wow, that sounds, you know, that sounds really too deep for me, right? So it must be true. And, and they've lost the idea that God's the one that, Heals, right? I mean, Deuteronomy 32, 39 says, this is God speaking. Now see that I, even I, am he, and there is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal, nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. And I think that that there's been this shift to this thought that there's got to be a physical healing for everything, that it's not God. It's not, it's not actual spiritual that God uses physical things because of a spiritual problem, because he's the one that wound you, he's the one that heals you. Instead, it's there has to be a physical solution because we've adopted, even in church life, in many ways we've adopted a materialistic view of the world. Yeah, and you know you have instructions of what you're supposed to do. You know, even if even if you're saying it is spiritual, even if you're saying we don't need a scientific explanation, you know, this is. You know, maybe people are even out there saying, well, these are people that God has given them the gift of healing, and they're doing it through homeopathy. Well, you have clear instructions um, from the Old Testament where you're saying, if you have a prophet, see if what he says comes to pass. And if it doesn't say, if, if it doesn't come to pass, he's a false prophet. And, and so you have instructions saying, do tests. In the New Testament, you have a similar thing. You know, First John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so there's different levels of testing. There's a level of testing of does what they say happen? There's a level of are they teaching something that's against the gospel that you've been given? And it needs to pass all those, all those tests. So I'll throw this out there. We also believe the Bible when it says, hey, if somebody's sick, they can go to the elders and the elders can anoint them with oil. And there's a way that you could approach that and you could think, oh, there's power in the oil. And and you could and you can make a materialistic argument, mm-hmm. you can make it a spiritual argument, but you could impart something to the oil and the anointing of the oil on that person and say that will be part of the equation for them being healed. I don't think any of us at the table believe that. We say you do this, why? Because God says to do it. Now if the person was beat up or something, the oil could help, but <laughs> But that's you know, we're 
Let's say we're talking cancer. You know, we don't think that that we 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 do not do that with any expectation that that is going to impart any kind of mechanical, physical, right, spiritual anything by doing that. There's there's just nothing about it, other than God says to do this, and so we do it in obedience to Him, not because we're treating it like medicine. But if there are people out there who, who read that passage and think, oh, this is an instruction for how you apply medicine. And then you go and you start looking at properties of the oil and hope that you will find some way. This is a proof text for using essential oils. It seems to me that, yeah, when you do it there, you're actually more just having a, a picture of, of what salvation looks like, what spiritual healing looks like. And it's that the Holy Spirit is poured out on somebody. And so you're doing this physical picture of a spiritual reality that God does at some times. And that this is why physical sickness happens. This is why, because it's a testimony that we need spiritual healing. And so you're just doing that picture in a way and you're crying out to the to God. And, and it's, it's, like baptism doesn't save you, right? It's not the water that somehow cleanses your sins, and the oil doesn't save you. It doesn't heal you, and it's testifying to the importance of spiritual healing over physical healing. It's a sign of submission to God of you yes. and the church body that's with you, the elders that are doing this to you. This is saying, hey, we recognize whatever is afflicting this person, it's from God. God says to do this. We're going to do this in acknowledgment of that. So I'll throw a question out there. We've talked about homeopathy as something that just doesn't work, and we've talked about all the reasons it shouldn't work, and then we've talked about cases where you might perceive that it's working, but really it's just some other factor. It's either your body taking care of itself, independent of the medicine, or a placebo effect. But what about cases where homeopathy appears to actually work? And like you mean like where it's not something like a cold it's not something like it's not something that's easily. How could this be done? But something where someone Somebody, who's really sick and a, seriously sick, someone gives them a homeopathic treatment and they seem to get better. And and they don't get better based on something we could chalk up easily to placebo effect. They don't get better based on something we could easily chalk up to. Hey, the body's immune defenses finally took over. It's a uh, they were sick before they did a treatment. They appear much better. Effectively, sort of what you're asking is, does a witch doctor ever cause somebody to heal? I mean, like, you know, almost like that same sort of thing. Does somebody ever go to a witch doctor and the witch doctor does something that defies, that seems supernatural? Let's, I mean, I... But but you want to, with homeopathy. Yeah, with homeopathy. And and I think we all know of cases where this appears to happen. What's going on there? So there was a, a young man, like young, like two years old or a year and a half, something like that. That was very sick. His his uh, um, he had a colostomy bag. He was you know had surgery. He was having severe health problems, not gaining any weight. And somebody went and got a device called a remedy maker. His father did. And with the remedy maker, the idea of the remedy maker is that you have all these thousand vials or something, and that they're each one of the vials produces certain effects like i use the example like lead poison you know like mercury poisoning makes you act crazy so if you're acting crazy then you take mercury so they they take the symptoms and they measure the symptoms and i forget exactly how they do it they like wave the vial near you and then you're supposed to react in some way and then they put these vials on one side of this device and then they put a vial of water on the other side so this isn't specifically homeopathy but it's it's all based on homeopathy they just said that they have an electronic device that does 
So you can skip all the succussing and all that stuff. Because that might take two weeks. And they do. They exactly. use like the quantum mechanics thing. Like they were they were transferring the wavelength was what their right. what their idea was. And so they did this, and then you press a button, and then after X number of seconds, it lights up, and that shows that another button lights up, and that shows you that that you know that vial with water in it is now your medicine. And they started to give this to this boy, and he started to get better. You know, we we heard about this, and we got Charles to to call the place and order at one, <laughs> since yep. we might be better known. So, yeah, at the I'm, time they might hear about us, so we sent Charles to do our dirty work. <laughs> I bought a remedy maker, and we brought it, and we brought it in, and we had a guy who worked at a lab where he routinely tested circuit boards and electro, and so we. Opened the box up for a chip manufacturer he worked for. So he yeah, was and he, we engineer. opened it up and we sat down and looked inside it. And I mean, even before he looked at it, I can tell you that it is a really simple device. You could tell that. And so he analyzed it and he goes, "Okay, so basically what you have is you have a button, it has a timer, and it has a light switch on the other side that lights up. So you hit this button, the timer pauses, and after a certain amount of time, it lights up the bulb. That's what the machine does." I mean, the machine did nothing, and the kid was getting better, and the kid got better. And I mean, it wasn't like a temporary thing. I mean, didn't he? I mean, he they stopped they stopped having have having to have surgeries and other things. I mean, like he. And I, some of that may have been that he started to grow out of the problem, right. but but the health changes were distinct enough immediately that it was really hard to. I mean, could it have just been? random chance that it happened at that time maybe but it's still hard to see it that way because the the changes were pretty dramatic and the child could not know that the drops of water he was i mean he was right. like one and a half there was no way he knew that the water drops that he was getting were from this vial that was on this remedy maker and yet somehow he's getting better and so it's really important for us to recognize in that story that God doesn't say that that's okay to use then because it works, because that's not the standard. The standard is that what they were doing was contrary to taking dominion in every way, like completely contrary to taking dominion. And Christians have an obligation to do things according to how God said to do it. And just because something works, Deuteronomy 13, you know, it basically says just because something works doesn't mean that when they tell you to follow another God, and they're telling you to follow another God when they're they're saying that there's a whole different world out there, a whole different spiritual world that you don't know about that's what causing these things to heal and stuff because it's all contrary to what the Word of God says. Well, we're supposed to recognize that and go, okay, God put that in the world, but we're not supposed to use it. We're not supposed to follow it. The standard is not does it work. The standard is are we serving God and using it. Let me let me say it a different way. The Christian position is not that witchcraft is not real. Right. That witchcraft is fake. The Christian position is that witchcraft can actually be real and Christians are supposed to stay far, far away. And the Bible even says the witch of Endor, she did call up Samuel. Samuel did talk to Saul. I mean you can't turn around and say witches aren't real when you have the witch of Endor, but it was still a sin to go to the witch of Endor. And living in America, a country that's got such a, a deep Christian heritage, we don't see a lot of that. Or at least we haven't. Nobody's going to call themselves Nobody's a witch. Nobody's going to call it that. I mean, we should be careful because witchcraft and a lot of the pagan pursuits are actually growing in the United States again. So, I mean. But most of them, even, even then, they usually claim to be non 
supernatural, non-spiritual. And it's just like a marking thing. Now, is that true? I mean, it it depends. I think actually within some of the pagan things, I actually think they're back to saying that they're – I don't think – there's a lot less of them that are denying it now than there used to be. So, I I mean, I think you're going to see paganism on the rise. don't really have contact with them now, but I knew a guy that was working as a cable installer. And he would go into houses and they would have, you know, the altar set up to Satan. That you saw that that's that's present in North Carolina, and you know it's it's here, it's active, but it's still underground. The way that you make it not underground is you call it a remedy maker, and you pretend like it's science. Whereas when you go over to Nigeria, it's all open, and the big fight there is: Are you allowed to have the witch doctors come into your church to heal people? That's what the debate is in Nigeria, and. I just want to argue that in a lot of ways in in America, in homeschooling communities specifically, we have that same debate. We just don't call them witch doctors. Right. Right, because if it's something that, you know, all the all the all the tests you can do, you know, this the scientific tests fail, all the explanations fail, um, then what are you left with? You're left with just faith that is true and what is your faith in? Not in Christ, then. I mean, and we should be really clear when you take when you take medicine, you should approach it from faith, from a point of faith. You should you should. The Bible says that anything you do that's not of faith is sin. And so, if you go to something and you don't have a reason to believe that this will help you, a reason to believe that this is ordered it's by based God, on a God of order, right? right. A reason to believe that God has said this is something that should be done, a reason that says this is good, a reason that you can actually argue that you can connect to Scripture to say this makes sense to do because of who God is, because of who God has revealed us to. You shouldn't do it. And and there's just this part of it where I mean we've we've lost that and part of that is, I mean I, I really we should really stress this, medicine does a lot less than people act like it does, and what medicine does do is most of the time not healing. Very I mean medicine is really typically not associated with healing, and I think we've we believe it it has and the part of the reason that we believe it has is part of the reason why we think you can inject chemicals into a into a boy and make him a girl because we believe that the chemicals change the world and we really have what we have much more ability to do most of the time is to help with symptoms that's 99% of what gets done in most cases is we can help with symptoms there are things that we can do we surgery. can destroy we can, parts we right? can destroy right we can destroy something that's already failing that we can't heal Right, so which we can, is like cancer treatments, like right. most surgery. We can take this out of the body so that it's not killing you. Those are the sort of things that medicine is is much better at doing, but we don't frame them in that way. And and we just really need to understand. I mean, I think so much of what's going on, so much of the reason why the children of God are embracing things that are really tools of Satan is because we've even allowed what should be honoring God through knowledge and through what He's given us. We've turned it into the worship of man. And so we really are already competing between different religions, different false religions, and that's really where we've gotten to as opposed to we need to reclaim the ones that God has given us, and we need to declare what they are and be honest about what can actually be achieved. And I think that's that's a big part of what's going on here. And, I mean, it's you know we say things like that are that are obvious if you look at the history. 
that the scientific method, that's a Christian idea. I mean, that comes from Christianity. That doesn't come right. from Islam. That doesn't come from Confucianism. That doesn't come from Hinduism. It comes from Christianity. I mean, that's the basis for it. But yet now we've created this distinction that we act like the scientists are out there operating in the secular realm and Christianity is in a sacred realm, and there's some division between the two. And what the church has to get back to the idea is that's not how the world works. God is sovereign. He's in control of all of it. And and it manifests itself the best by you go, oh, look at this good, righteous man on Sunday. And then he goes out and, you know, is stealing on Monday. And we go, well, he's a good Christian man because we've created this distinction about how you can live in the world versus how you're in the church. You're saying the scientific method applies to identify, to recognizing faith. <laughs> right. And, 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 what we've done is, though, created this division that we then look and say, well, this is just secular, so we're allowed to do all these things over here without considering how does this actually tie to the fact that God is in control of all of it, not just part of it. He's not just in control of the church. He's in control of all the world. He's not just on Sunday. He's every day of the week that he's God. And the church is looking at it and going, no, he, we put God in this box, and then we have to search around every place else for all these other things. Instead of saying, no, God's everywhere, so how should we think about medicine? How should we think about eating? How should we think about all these other things that that we have to think about on a daily basis? Because God cares and directs us about all of it. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, I've even seen, you know, secular scientists uh, who say that, you know, if you're looking at, you know, it, when they're looking at like ancient history, they're saying like, where where do we see them doing uh you know, like like a medical study, and they they look at they point to the book of Daniel, where Daniel uh, goes to the king and says, "Let me eat the pulse and not defile myself with the king's dainties, and let's let's set aside a time and at the end see if I'm more healthy than the other people." Where he's basing that on saying, you know, truth is consistent. You know, the, when you look at things more closely, you get more information about them, and you prove whether something's real or not. And, and so that's where they point. They, you know, even where Christians might not recognize it, people are pointing and saying, here's where they were, they, where they were doing here's this. Here's the first known medical experiment. <laughs> I mean, we, we talked about this earlier. I mean, one of the reasons why people look everywhere is because, and why they're desperate, is because we haven't taught the sovereignty of God. And there's a point of it where, I mean, like I said, they've, there are people who've said, I've, I've gone to the doctor, I've prayed, done all these things, and God hasn't given me healing. And they may not say God hasn't given me healing, but they did. But you'd be surprised how many, how many people will pray. say, yeah. There are people who are atheists who will tell you, I prayed. I was in pain. I was dealing with this, and I prayed, and God didn't heal me. And then so they go, there has to be something. And the answer is, like you read earlier, God says, I, I kill, and I make alive. I heal. I'm the one. I'm the one where all life is in me. And I don't owe you anything. And there's this part of it where the reason they're so desperate is because they're saying there has to be a way. There has to be an answer. And sometimes God says, no, the answer is no. But it causes people to go to things that they shouldn't be willing to accept. But in the end, they're rejecting the sovereignty of God in the end. And, and there's a lot of, uh, you know, our, our culture kind of tells us that anything that breaks on your body is fixable. There's a solution for everything. You know, implicitly, you're going to live forever. You're always, you know, always going to be healthy. And so, when that's not happening, there's there's not an acceptance that, you know, sometimes God sends you thorns in the flesh that He's not going to take away. Um, and that there's, you know, there's a, definitely a place to, you know, see see if the doctors can help 
there's a, a place to pray, but there's a place also to say this is something, a trial that I've been given to bear. And, I mean, fundamentally, it's the view that, that physical things are more important than spiritual. Because if you look at it, like what Paul says when he says he has a thorn in the flesh and he prayed three times and God wouldn't remove it, it was so that he could remember when he was weak, God was strong. That spiritually, he was supposed to be dependent upon God at all times. He is a physical infirmity to, to point out to, to Paul a spiritual issue that Paul needed to see and recognize. And the problem when we pray and we go, but God didn't heal me. You know, I have this this terrible headache, and God won't heal this headache, so I need to take some homeopathic remedy or whatever. And again, I'm not saying that you don't take take you know, aspirin. Take, take aspirin. Tylenol, that's right? fine. But the point is that you go to these things and you go to these extents because you don't want to go, actually, this is all spiritual. The physical is just God is putting it there to deal with spiritual things because we want to elevate the physical over the spiritual including inside the church. People are a lot, you know, you go to, I've been to plenty of churches where they take prayer requests and you don't hear anybody about he's struggling with this sin. You hear everybody, she's sick, she's got this. And, you know, everybody likes to gossip about everybody's sickness. And that's what a lot of prayer meetings are about when you take prayer requests. And I'm not saying at Reformation, but, but other churches I've been to, you hear that over and over and over again. And nobody talks about the more important things, which are spiritual things. And I think that's really common because the church is now saying the physical is what's important. And God is saying, I give you physical ailments so that you I and not just ailments, I give you physical, you know, I give you poverty, I give you I give you war, I give you all these things, the all these various trials, so that you can say spiritually my faith will grow. Because he's saying it's all spiritual and the physical secondary, and the church is saying physical's primary. We need to solve the physical problem. We prayed, and he didn't heal us. And instead, we should be going, well, I prayed. God didn't heal me. Maybe I should ask why he's not hearing my prayers. Maybe I'm in sin. What's going on? What is he trying to teach me with this? What do I need to repent of? How is he trying to strengthen me? With Paul, there was nothing that Paul fundamentally could repent of that God would remove that infirmity from him, right? He just I mean, had to accept. In Paul's case, the affirm- infirmity was specifically to teach Paul something. It right. wasn't to bring repentance. I think there's this part of it where there are verses where Scripture talks, and it says, "Don't make me too rich, lest I cur- you know, don't lest I curse God." And I think we forget that sometimes there's that that our health is that same sort of thing. That our health is like our wealth, and there's this part of it where we just, for- I mean. I can see times in my life where God used physical infirmities to keep me in check. You know what I mean? I mean, I remember right. like, I mean, when I, you know, there are times where when I feel really good, when I feel great, I forget about God sometimes. You know what I mean? There have been times in my life where I'm, you know, and I go and I, I do things that I shouldn't do. I'm more glib than I should be. I'm more... You know, I mean, I remember talking to you sometimes. We were going through really difficult times, and and it it helped me in the church. It helped me connect to other people. It helped me see other people. It helped me understand them. It helped when I was feeling good. I would come in sometimes, and I would be insensitive to everyone else because I felt great. You know what I mean? I felt fine. I didn't have. You know what I mean? And right. and I think we just we we forget that God uses these things, and like you're saying, He uses that. He considers them to be tools to. Point us because we can't ignore them. We can ignore the spiritual things, but the physical things, 
we we can only ignore so much. And homeopathy is a is a means by which people want to ignore the spiritual things and just go to the physical. They go, we don't understand the spiritual, so let's just do this physical thing that makes no sense. Or let's and call we'll the physical it, thing spiritual. Yeah, and, and, you know and, and, I mean? but it's not it's not related to the spirit of God. It's not related to the spirit of order. Right, because you know when you're doing that, you're 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 trusting in a lie. You know, which is the, which is you know the opposite of, of trusting in God. You know, you're you're trusting in something that. You know, maybe even before you listen to this episode, you be- you believed it, you didn't understand it, and maybe now you understand it. And so to continue to do it, you you know you're trusting in something that you know there's not the evidence behind it. Because you know, I'm you know I'm sure we've all taken medicines that they're you know scientifically haven't been proven to work. Um, but if you know it, you know there's a verse that to him who knows what is right and does not do it, to him it is sin. I mean, if you know if you and we have a duty to know, you know, limited by the many things we have to do in life. But if you if you know that it's not legitimate, then... And when you know that it functionally really can't be, it can't be legitimate, right? There's a difference between going, okay, so there's this supplement that I'm taking, and this supplement helps me. And yes, it's never been tested to prove that it will actually help this condition, but the supplement helps me. That's a lot different than saying drinking water that's been succussed and done all this process helps me, right? The one has this huge spiritual baggage with it and this huge rejection of of God being a God of order, this huge religious element to it that just taking an herb, God gave all green herbs for food, so it's not wrong to eat an herb. And yeah, maybe it hasn't been tested out as much as would be good to test it out, but that's not that's on a very different order than saying that succussing something will make it more powerful. We don't want to make the FDA God. Right. Know, they're not the ones who determine. You're allowed to experiment, too. You're allowed to experiment, too. Sure. And and, and there, you, you are allowed to appeal to other authorities besides the FDA. Right. We all believe that. Right. And, but there's a point where if the FDA, you know, has approved it and, you know, I mean, they make mistakes. and But if, you know, you look through it, people know what they're doing, look through it. You can't just throw stuff out just because you you don't like it, you know. If if it if it's legitimate, you know, actual, you know. If they tried to seek they, right. truth based on God being a God of order, you should look at what they found, regardless of who the heathen was that did it. Right. You might decide that the side effects aren't worth it. You might decide all sorts. Of, I mean, there's you said there's all. I mean, this was. I mean, I think there's. We'll probably put a number of. There are a number of episodes. We've talked about a lot of different things that are related to this topic that we've done episodes on in the past. Find a link to our entire catalog below. <laughs> I mean, during the coronavirus, we did ones on fear versus faith, you know, dealing with face masks. We dealt with the whole issues going on of who do you put your trust in, about dealing with experts. We've done episodes on faith and reason and how they're connected. We've dealt with epistemology. How do you even know things that you can know? I mean, and all of these things, they, they touch on this issue because in the end, they're all related. What, what, do you, what do you think about faith? What do you think about knowledge? How do you approach these issues? How do you consider them? How do you deal with doctors? How do you appeal to authorities? I mean, all of these things are related. And so, I mean, there's a number of episodes that we should link to here because this is just one specific piece, but the whole issue is it's a lot more complicated. And there's a lot of scripture that really goes into how you should think about these things. We should also at some point do an episode on just health. And how to think about health and where, you know, just in the end of just, I think we touched on a lot of it, but it would be useful probably at some point to do that. I was listening to you talk about the the nature of how you should react when you're sick. 
But there's also the nature of how you should react when you're healthy. And the fact that our culture has moved to the point where so many more people are so much healthier now than they have been at any previous time in history, where lifespans are up and child mortality is down. Probably not pre-flood, but yeah. (laughs) At any point in in recent history, you know. (laughs) Last few thousand years. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Give me the last couple thousand years. And things are looking a lot better for pretty much everybody everywhere in the world. And our reaction to that should be overwhelming gratitude towards God. And, and, and that's a huge part of when you're healthy, when God gives you health, by whatever means he does, your reaction needs to be one of gratitude or else God's going to remind you, hey, I'm the God, you're not, and, and there will be some way that he's going to nudge you in that direction if you're one of his. If, he's, if you're not one of his, then he may just let you go. He just may let you go. I mean, we and, talked about the mental component of health. And we talked about the placebo effect. I mean, what you're kind of describing in some ways is the reverse placebo effect. There are people with, you know, I mean, the there placebo. Are pe- well, no, I mean, like in the sense of you can give somebody something. I mean, there's a part of it where your mental, you can make yourself feel better. You can make yourself feel worse because look, you're saying we're healthier than we are. There are people with no legs who are more cheerful than I am. You know what I mean? There are people who there are people who have much worse circumstances who live their life and are happy about things. And they feel better because of those things because they're will because they are grateful. And what you're saying is, in the end, gratefulness is is a really key component to how you approach your life and how you live your life. And you were talking about the increase of you know lifespan across the globe, and that's very true. But you also look in the U.S. and what percentage of people are on like drugs because of you know antidepressant drugs and stuff. And just to kind of make your point, and I do think it's worth stepping back and going obedience really matters, right? The reason that people are living longer throughout the whole world fundamentally comes that a group of people, a lot in the U.S., decided to take dominion and decided to figure out how do you get more food out of an acre of land. Right. And most of that was done in the U.S. And because of that, there's not starvation throughout the world. And and the level of of nutrition that you get in like the first five or six years of life determines your lifespan. They've done enough studies to see this. So all of a sudden, the the food production that increased 20, 30 years ago are now causing lifespans across the world to go up by 20, 30, 40 years. And that has to do with God really blesses obedience. Abundance and people of food took, is a- And people took dominion. And you know what happens now is – you people walk, start to want to, people to walk into away. people walk into an American grocery store. They look, <laughs> and then they start coughing. People walk into an American grocery store, or they consider the evils of an American grocery store, and then and and all of the abundance of all of the foods from the entirety of the world. You can have any kind of food that anybody makes anywhere in the world. You can have it here in. Backwoods, There's nothing North to eat, Carolina. <laughs> and, and you know what somebody's going to tell you is whatever you're eating is killing you. Oh, it's killing you. You know, and, and I don't want to date this particular podcast by picking on any particular thing because what I pick on now is not going to be the thing they're telling you is killing you in a month. It, but, but our attitude towards this massive abundance that God gives us is not one of gratefulness. It's one of looking sideways at the things that God's given us that are a blessing, that are real blessings, and saying, no, not and then we, we take Valium and other stuff to overcome our, our anxiety because we're so miserable because we have such abundance. 
Right. It's very twisted, very, very contrary to, to the reality of honoring God as God. So as we think of homeopathy, it's just one example, but it's, it's man putting physical things in front of spiritual things. And unfortunately, this happens in the church as much as it does in the world around. And we're not testifying in the church that it's spiritual things that matter. Instead, we want all our physical problems solved. Christ came to, to give us life. We already had physical life. He came to give us spiritual life. And we should see the importance of that. And our lives should be focused on that. And it's so easy for us to get distracted by, by con men, by witch doctors that are trying to get us, instead of focusing on what's most important, to focus on physical things. Let's remember, God sends trials because spiritual things are more important than physical. Thanks for joining us. This has been The Conquering Truth, a project of Reformation Baptist Church. If you found this helpful, you can visit us online at theconqueringtruth.com and subscribe here or in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for watching.